This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. (laughs) Boy! And thank you for checking out the podcast. My conversation with the poetic critic, that's the poetic critic on Letterboxd, involved her saying that, at least for her episodes, there needs to be a context warning ahead of time. And because we live in a world with the GOP and younger kids who do not understand satire, I think I can agree that maybe I should put them ahead of every episode. So let me just give you a heads up of what might trigger you. There will be some is this racist dueling i will slip in a cancer joke about the mcu which i think flew under the radar but hey you're ready for it now there is an oral sex reference and i have a censored f-bomb pretty much right at the start of the conversation with all that said let's get on to the show thanks for coming to 90 for chill the podcast little hand says it's time to rock and roll Bring the noise. And this is your host, Cool Movies Darth is the handle that I'm always going to try getting over. Thank you, the ID10T, for that support. As always, check out Chris Hardwick's latest interview with Stanley Tucci, just so I can attest that somebody else is using it. But if you're searching for this podcast, Russ Stevens might be easier Thanks for coming back to it for all my repeat viewers. Thank you very much to the Poetic Critic for helping me fill out some content this week and being just a good sport. Well, I'm still trying to work out my guest um, situation. Could not get back with the previous guest I was working with, but I do have one lined up tentatively aside from that. Another returning visitor. If you dug the Henry Rollins episode, the Don Coscarelli episode... And the Event Horizon episode, I think that covers everything. I think you'll be in for a treat this week as we are tentatively looking at another movie I could only find on YouTube, Low. I knew it was on Netflix for a while, so I at least was on better guard than Kayfabe. Otherwise, uh, my week was going to be dedicated to Ebert Fest, and then you find out it's a $200 all pass and then of course after losing that job at marine bank which i may discuss further details on it's not like i really had the resources to do that i did get out to see ghost world a movie that i really have not rewatched since i first watched it and there's a lot of drama behind that story and i might touch on that hope i won't bore you but i had the choice between uh riverman elimination game or the black and white version of nightmare alley and you know what i'll just stand by 90 for chill and all those who appreciate short ass movies and i went to the riverman game and dropped money on a star wars themed hockey jersey for the ribs at least i now look like every other loyal fan who took the time to buy one of those gimmick jerseys to show off every friday and saturday night that's where my head's at let's get to ghost world and then we'll go on to the poetic critic <laughs> what do you think you're doing shut up that damn noise rock and roll baby freedom of speech <laughs> that guy rules 
I can't believe we made it. We graduated high school. How totally amazing. I can't help but feel I had some small part in how you turned out. <laughs> Sometimes I think I might be going crazy from sexual frustration. You just hate every single guy on the face of the earth. That's not true. I just hate all these extroverted, pseudo-bohemian losers. You guys up for some reggae tonight? Do you have any other old records besides these? Seymour does. Who does? Oh, uh, him. He's the man with the records. What, are we in slow motion here? Come on, what are you, hypnotized? Have some more kids, why don't you? John Pehichan who? I'm allowed to place one student from your graduating class for a full one-year scholarship, and I took the liberty of submitting your name. This could be a really great thing for you. When I have to take classes and stuff? <laughs> well... I'm just not the kind of guy who has a type. Every guy has a type. What about her? Whoa. Would you go out with her? As long as she's breathing. times I tell you, no chef, no service. Get the hell out of my store. What do you think this is, Club Med? It's America, dude. Learn the rules. Loosen up. Yeah. Feel the music. Ghost World. The underground comic book comes to life. We have to get together this summer. Yeah, that'll definitely happen. Written by Daniel Klaus and Terry Zweigoff. Directed by Terry Zweigoff. Do you serve beer or any alcohol? After about five minutes of this movie, you're gonna wish you had ten beers. So I've lived down in Champaign for six years now. Uh, as I'm recording it, it's actually on the sixth anniversary. And I'm kind of ashamed that I had not yet to get an to an Ebert Fest, so I suppose I couldn't have done year one, but I digress. So if I didn't see Terry Swigoff being announced for the screening of Ghost World, perhaps it'd been another year without going to Ebert Fest, so kind of defeating the purpose of moving to a more liberal area from Peoria, you know getting to appreciate the finer things, the arts, dare I say. And I was hoping to do more with Ebert Fest, as I said earlier, and at least catch all the evening shows, but that's a lot of money still. That would be $60. Uh, 60, well, I guess you'd say 78 if you include the weak popcorn at the Virginia Theater. It really makes me miss the... Uh, art theater at least you you know the popcorn was okay but at least you got to season it i recommend the old bay seasoning and you got booze there too but you know hey if we get main event of the dead off the ground make a little money maybe we can get that theater up to date so wishful thinking i digress so ghost world is a movie that i've ended up buying two previous times and as i said never really watched the first time it was two dollars on vhs at some sale for some fundraiser icc so a garage sale basically now i really miss how icc used to have this guy who did just sold movie posters um 
for their whatever i think it was some kind of ski trip honestly for something but it was a lot of fun got a lot of great stuff only wish i knew how to treat my stuff better at in my mid-20s i suppose but at least my dad's got the slap shot and the animal house posters out of it so i didn't do everything wrong uh so I bought the, that was the first time I bought Ghost World. Second time was pretty much once we got the digital, and I could guess I could have an excuse, you know, who really wants to dust off the VHS player to watch a movie? So I spent thirteen dollars to buy it on iTunes, and that's pretty much the standard price for it. So, and hey, it is a highly recommend, except then there was the Criterion <laughs> Collection version. So I'm missing out on quite a bit. So, there might be a third purchase, especially after sitting through the um, this screening and getting to hear all those insights from Terry Swigoff and Thor Birch about the movie. So, you know, that was very special, so imagine what the special features were. So, it was a um, fun night, and that's, you know, not including the drinking with some English guy at the Blind Pig on Neal Street and just chilling out with the staff i guess all the weirdos head out to the bar dare i say the pseudo bohemians as the trailer mentioned uh ghost world is a movie that was suggested to me for uh, by uh one of my best friends stephanie smith um just as we were starting to hang out with each other um we're talking 2004 so 18 years ago and I think what this movie, well, it's a brilliantly written movie. There's no question about that, in my opinion. Um, and unlike, say, Juno, the dialogue's a little more appropriate. I guess it's just um, when you're trying to throw in a pregnancy story, I guess it's a little too, you know, serious to be making the jokes that they make in juno definitely works better in young adult by ivan reitman um sorry jason reitman and that's one that could qualify for 90 for chill the podcast so i guess watching it this time i got to really appreciate the other just the environments this film was film had you know i get definitely did not appreciate the um neo-nazi record shop uh called xenophobia um and just the little elements of enid's room and it kind of just very much played on relationships i didn't have in high school so i wasn't the dark cynical person that i became in my early 20s and my adulthood and wasn't just being burned out from wrestling or abused by heroin addicts addicts um i don't even get me started on parent parents that's for my therapist and that'll be next month so uh ghost world is just a movie i needed i think because i didn't have that enid rebecca Enid portrayed by Thora Birch, Rebecca by Scarlett Johansson, dynamic in my life, and definitely not the 
mentorship of Steve Buscemi's character, Seymour. I just want to make sure I get all the names there. And um, I think my friend Stephanie knew I needed this movie. And I think she was just prepping me for the type of friendship we would have had. We had, um, basically, I didn't put up. Regardless, if um, I ever expressed it, I just didn't put up with um, what was expected to be accepted as popular. Um, you know what's cool, what's hip. I kind of always saw through that and I feel bad about the punks that I didn't appreciate further. But then again, I think a lot of high school is everybody trying to put on a persona and not really mean it. And your characters, Rebecca, Enid definitely do mean what they are. And Seymour is definitely somebody who just wants people to realize that, it's all superficial and why do we put up with it and so those that's the dynamics we have so the story starts with uh, Rebecca and Enid at their high school graduation for only Enid to find out that she has to take a remedial arts class to get her diploma so their primary goal to start is to just move out and find their own place. College is, come on, what's the point? And for me, watching this in hindsight, even back 18 years ago, it was very much like, yeah, what, you know, this is, this is stuff kids need to hear, dare I say. And like, you got to know what you want to do. So it's got a great message. I really think um, anybody who feels like they're not going to fit in, this movie shows you that there are people who are not going to get fit in. And you know what? It's kind of like let people know, you know, it's kind of bullshit, I guess, is how Enid and Rebecca present themselves. They don't get involved with people. Um, they just, you know, basically, they know everything's superficial and they just shove their nose, you know, stick their nose up at it. They don't insult people directly. That's what they say for themselves. And, you know, just hope people get a clue or catch on that, you know, the girl who is doing her acting classes and getting ready to go to college and feels like she needs to get everybody's attention, be friends with everybody. You don't have to do that. And people, there's a lot of people who just don't. And I guess when Stephanie found me, I was definitely the Seymour of the Peoria wrestling scene. But, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't insult people unless I got real drunk. And by that point, it's more fun. I guess a lot of people just appreciate my honesty 
because they know it's just me being honest. And I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. So, and I think you get that same kind of vibe from all our character, our primary characters in this feature. Um, as for, so I should get back into the plot. So Enid and Rebecca just trying to cause chaos. They do something cruel. They go and answer a personal ad that Seymour placed uh, in a uh, newspaper and basically set him up to just watch him toil, waiting for a date that's never going to come. And Enid's just fascinated by Seymour that well, he's just going to roll with the punches and go on to the next thing. And, you know, he's got his record collection and he's got his uh, fascination with the employer he works for, or at least trying to come to terms about that. Um, Cook's Chicken, which is based off of the franchise Coon's Kitchen, which plays a part in people who actually want to understand Enid, like her art teacher. And that turns out to destroy everybody's lives, actually. Not just that... Um, Enid is so fascinated by Seymour that their relationship becomes definitely codependent. And, you know, the realization of that kind of ruined their friendship. But in the meantime, just a simple little art project. And Enid's life is ruined. And Seymour's life, it's just a very chain of dominoes. But, you know, outside of this, you get odd characters that uh, Terry Swigoff and the original writer of the comic book, Daniel Klaus, wanted you to take interest in, like the Satanists or the people in the adult bookstore. There's just a lot of great set pieces, and there's a great relationship. I mean, it's not a, it's a well-displayed relationship, I should say between Enid and her father, who's just a quiet guy trying to get by. And truthfully, very much like Seymour just wants to find love. So now I just realized, oh, great, we got an electric complex. <laughs> but I'll digress on that one. And Terry Swigoff just does a great job of just capturing all the scenery you need to see to really understand the mood and just letting his actors act um so let's get skip to the q and a of this um screening and terry swigoff you know brings up was asked like one of the most fascinating scenes to one of the question quest, questioners was being, you know, just how beautifully shot and staged the scene of Enid right after grad graduating, her dad having breakfast, trying to talk her into going to community college, the very least. And he's doing this as he's prepping and eating a straight up jelly sandwich for breakfast. And everything just seems so natural. And Terry Swigoff, you know, took just went out there and said it, you know, well, you know, it's like Woody Allen, just, you know, if you know how to direct actors well, you're going to get just 
naturalism. And, you know, if you want more controversy, uh, Terry Swigoff opened it, opened the screening with an uh, homage, an honor to honor Gilbert Gottfried, who actually had a film, a documentary about himself um, scheduled and he was supposed to appear. So uh, we miss you, Gilbert. Uh, We never really got to truly appreciate you. And I don't know if he would be appreciated by um, peop- by millennials and Generation Z. And that's kind of sad that we're just going to focus on Iago the parrot. I mean, at least it's a deep Shakespearean-based character. So what Terry Swigoff did to open the ceremony was he played a segment from the podcast be from an episode of Gilbert's podcast he was on where Gilbert Gottfried read a neo-Nazi review of Ghost World and Terry Swigoff just knows how to roll with the punches and just appreciated the fact that he was mentioned in the same paragraph same sentence even as directors like Steven Spielberg so that's the kind of humor and that's the kind of attitude of Ghost World you just gotta take step back and laugh and just I guess with the end of Ghost World nothing really falls into place uh, I had a conversation with one of my co-workers um, who Kodiak a former guest Kodiak Thompson mentioned who introduced him to um, John dies at the end um, how he thought that the entire concept of Enid just getting on a bus that only an old man was waiting for because the line was officially stopped was an indication that um, everything was so bad she just committed suicide. Uh, I didn't read into that, and they didn't bring it up, I actually. If anything, Swigoff was saying, eh, I was hoping to originally kill... Um, Seymour off that way hung him, hang himself in his mom's basement which I think would be a bad choice that's usually like as Kevin Smith was told about clerks killing Dante in the end just means you didn't really have an ending so I'm glad they flushed out an ending uh, I definitely recommend reading anything by Daniel Klaus it's just the humor And, again, it's all about environment, which is brilliantly captured in this feature. So, um, yeah, I'd say anything by Daniel Klaus is worth a read. And this movie is a great entryway into at least how he presents his worlds. And, you know, it's kind of like you know what if this might be an oversimplification what if clerks actually went to places besides the convenience store I know they go to the funeral but we know what happens there nothing's shot there so it's just a great character piece and you just have great characters to uh, get behind 
So, Ghost World is definitely something I recommend. Uh, I appreciate that the um, RogerEbert.com helps Champagne Park District put this on every year. And I'm glad that uh, you really, um, through uh, Ebert's uh, wife, um, Chaz Hamelsmith, you genuinely get the vibe this is what Roger would want. So if it doesn't have to just be a movie that you love, I think what I got from Ebert Fest is if you want a movie or if you want to be in the head of Roger Ebert, the greatest film critic, you're going to find that at Ebert Fest, and you're going to find, you know, a thousand people who think just like you. And for somebody who can feel lost in a crowd, I was had a great, great time just being there for uh, Ghost World. And I really wish I had uh, I had the time and the resources to further um, pursue um, all the great films they had to offer. Two hundred dollars is a pretty fair price. It's just having the time. And with that said, um, you know, I recently found out when it came to my past job at Marine Bank that I was basically sabotaged by someone who didn't like me, who had found another job, which was just a better fit for her anyhow. She disliked me to the point where she decided to rat me out to management about my blog and that it talks about work. (laughs) They didn't have any interest in that. They may have. I think management wanted me gone, but... They did not need bullets for their gun. And I'm dealing with how do I approach that? Somebody who wants to, who wanted to just destroy my life just because she felt insulted. Because I said that they, and maybe she just felt insulted. I used gender neutral pronouns when I vaguely described this person who watched telegraph videos at work and didn't care if anybody else heard them (laughs) so yeah I mean I thought she was an insensitive bitch I didn't realize how far it went that you know to own a libtard she would go (laughs) it was worth trying to ruin somebody's life over so but you know what I'll take your suggestion on how I get back at her without ending her life as in the figurative sense. And no, I'm not going to take suggestions on the literal sense. Um, but, you know, more importantly, though, this is an escape. Uh, this podcast is my therapy. I'm glad I got that all out there. and But I'd rather focus a little more on movies. So if you have a movie you want to discuss, a director, a theme, an actor... Uh, send that to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. As long as we focus on sub-100 minute material, I'd love to have that chat. And if you got want to talk trash about the podcast, 
at CatBusterUs is my Twitter handle. And if you want to know what I'm watching all the time, letterbox.com, sorry, letterbox.com slash cmdarth. So uh, let's get to a better mood, a little more fun and casual, and talk with the poetic critic. Thanks again for coming. How are you, Truman? Vital signs are good. <laughs> Lights. Cue the sign. Camera. Yeah! Hey, Truman! Sorry, can't stop! Truman. Say something. You're on television. You're live to the whole world. That's amazing. Jim Carrey is Truman Burbank. Wanna do it again? No! In the movie Newsweek called the number one film to see this summer. It's the miracles! The Truman Show, rated PG. In theaters everywhere, Friday, June 5th. Well, I mean, you go back to train spotting with... What about the Untouchables? I don't read into that. Despite the Academy Award. Well, that's Smack all. It's a sympathy vote. You know. And I guess with Roberto Bonini, when you look at everything he's done afterward, it is totally the um, concept of the sympathy award. Because, you know, as uh, Sick Boy tells Renton, so your, your grand theory of life is you have it, then you lose it, and then you can't hack it anymore. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I, as I said, you're going on about how the Truman Show is getting recognized at Cannes 75. and Yes, it's the movie they picked out to rep- be on the poster for the event. Which I'm still saying, look, Dracula 3D was in competition. Rutger Hauer, man. Let's remember Rutger Hauer. That's a theme of 90 for Chill, the podcast. Remember Rutger Hauer. Blind Fury. Nighthawks. I'm sure someday we'll get around to Hobo with a shotgun. So, other things I'm thinking about is I know that the summer movie season starts next week. Essentially. I mean, we're going to take, well, the week after. Because the 1st of May is Sunday, and then it's... Like, I just looked over the cast. Um, We all agree that early May is roughly the start. Now it's been that way at least since the mummy. Yes. Brendan Fraser version. Yes. Well, I mean, Doctor Strange... uh, I don't know how you're not getting up for Doctor Strange. I know... I I haven't seen the trailer, but I just saw the cast. We got Patrick Stewart. We got Bruce Campbell. I I saw the first trailer, the one they ran during the Super Bowl. But where's Jeff Goldblum? He's got his other movie. Did that trailer not have Jeff Goldblum? No. That, no, Love and Thunder didn't uh, no. drop? No. Oh. There's absolutely nothing that confirms he's in the movie. Look, he showed up for What If. I'm sure he's going to be there. Provided he doesn't he die of cancer. What, <laughs> look, he showed up for What If in part because he recorded a much bigger part for an episode that's not going to show up until season two because of COVID. Well, okay, that's what it is, but come on. Like, you, you speak bad of Marvel. Who else is going to let Jeff Goldblum shut down a room to utter the words, release the phone? Now you know that's not going to happen in Jurassic <laughs> World Dominion, though. Uh, I, could, I could write a scene up for that, but it's like going to a pitch meeting on a Screen Rants, like... Yeah. Oh, so we're going to have Jeff Goldblum in it. Yeah, people love Ian Malcolm. Yeah, he's going to tell how we should just let the dinosaurs die. Okay. And then we're going to go, what, we're not going to keep Ian Malcolm in the movie? 
Like, and what about Isla Nubla? Like, oh gosh, the thing, the big holes they really point out in that one. Yeah. They didn't even bring up the entire murder, uh, what is it, patricide, I believe it would be? I think so, yes. Yeah. And barely just mentioned the clone girl, which mm-hmm. is kind of like what the movie did. Yeah. So, yeah, very accurate. You hate it when screen, <laughs> screen Rants gets it down. I probably shouldn't have been as harsh as it as I was over at Letterboxd. Because I just gave it a one star. The whole thing just frustrated me to the point of being angry. It just That's what emphasizes so much of what I've come to hate about where movies have gotten. Mainstream movie making. So that's what Jurassic World... You see, that's what Jurassic World did to me. was like, oh, this is total... So I I appreciate... There are people who like Fallen Kingdom more. Yes, uh, I believe Ryan Marker is 625. I, I... He's probably known more by his Twitter handle than the commissioner screen co-commissioner screen drafts. So, so I you see I haven't really watched a lot. I don't get around to watching a lot of trailers. In all honesty, you know, there's always. Well, I don't really watch new trailers anymore myself. Yeah. It's not that they're not easily available. Yeah. But even, I mean, back in the '90s and turn of the millennium. I loved watching trailers when, you know, E would have them on TV. They had that old coming attraction show and well, stuff like that. Well, Axis TV, I still believe, has... Um, Not as a... often as they used to because mm. I didn't keep up with that for a while. Okay. Of course, another problem is is that because we've had so many COVID delays and stuff, we're getting a lot of the same trailers again and again or they're having to scrape for, like, indie or... Hmm. import trailers mm-hmm. I mean every, one of the jokes that was around Morbius when it came out a few weeks ago is finally we won't have to put up with that trailer anymore I didn't totally mind the trailer for Morbius I do want to see Morbius which really says something like I don't know I I was talking to you about it yesterday I really need 20, day, 20 years off from the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> It's not my bad. Now, if it was Star Wars, I'm still bitter about... And I'm still blaming the lack of a Star Wars picture for COVID-19. I'm just saying, like... what? What's to say I'm not right that... I know, it's... It's, cause, it's not... It's correlation, not causation, but... Well, yeah, because you got Rise of Skywalker at the end of 2019. Yes, and I think the fact that we did not make it the biggest movie... I blame I blame the world for COVID. Hmm. No, no, this movie isn't very good. Let's go to the wet markets instead. It's horrible, and it may be racist. Not sure. But... Yeah, I'm, no, I'm not sure about the racism. I mean, I think that's still the number one theory. I don't think it was invented in the lab. I don't think it was intentionally released, because. Come on, like China, that would have really nailed. They they were really had their pul- hand, fingers on the pulse of America if they, <laughs> if they. Uh, I mean, what reasonable person would think of what happened with the pandemic actually happening? So, but that brings me to the entire Florida banning books for CRT. What? So mass hard for white people, but easy for Chinese people. Hence, it's bad for it's bad for culture. That's at least my approach to why they claim CRT in math. So, 
So the Love and Thunder, that's the um, November release? No, that's uh, later. I thought Love and Thunder was later this summer. Okay, I can't even tell half the time. Um, but it is kind of nice, though, I guess, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we're still like going over established characters and from the first war versus trying to create new ones like your Shang-Chi's and your Eternals. Well, not if the stories I've heard, but apparently a lot of artists and creatives are not, who worked on the comics that introduced a lot of these characters are not being properly compensated for their work. Yes, that's been the same way since Siegel got shagged on Superman. I, Disney has more money than Kree says. They can afford to pay the creatives. I'm not saying they can't afford to. I'm just saying that as um, somebody who was just at Everfest and um, was there for the Q&A for Ghost World with Terry Swigoff, he was going on about how the... Uh, track that the original record, one of the few prints of the song that Enid plays on repeat, you know, Devil Take My Woman, yeah. sold for $99,000 on auction. Biggest sale of an original record, unless you count, you know, the Wu-Tang and Martin, Martin Screlly thing. And... Terry Swigoff said, that's more than what I made working on Ghost World. And granted, Ghost World didn't make any money until DVD. But you get where I'm coming from. I think as a creative, you definitely should not be thinking about the compensation. Because it is not going to be there. Well, that's not a healthy way of looking at going into a creative industry. Well. Not in the capitalist society, Yes, that's why. I mean, if you expect to be watch paid, movies like Stalker and Solaris, you have to be willing to look, fight for what you want. Well, look, I I totally acknowledge that. Well, I don't know what if I can say that. Not this defend the capitalist system. I mean, I think you know, universal basic income and all that. But like, the, the, like one of the people who created America Ferrara. I think that's the pronunciation. We're going to be a character we're going to be seeing in Multiverse Man. Okay, shortly. well, America Ferrara, uh, I thought, was an actress. That's right. Yeah. I'm confusing her, the name with America Chavez. Okay, there you go. The character we're going to be seeing. Who's being racist now? Um, but. But the one of the people behind that, creating that character for the comics, because she's relatively. A relatively recent character. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can attest to that. Uh, but, you know, they turned down the offer Disney gave them because they felt it wasn't enough. Well, if you're making a... I don't know, because it's... A, and then it comes down to, like, if you're making a living and getting to do what you want to do, I really don't have much sympathy for anybody, like, acting out for the money, I guess. Like... I don't know. I would like to think that if Main Event of the Dead ever got made, send me your Kickstarter ideas to rustthebuzz07 at gmail.com and suggestions on how to get it to a kickstarting stage. Um, 
I don't know. The point of the matter is when you create something, you should not be thinking about the compensation. But let's not... Like, I, I... Well, look, I just want my movie made, is all I'm saying. I know that... But that's a selfish way of looking at it. What, what is... How is that more selfish than... I want my movie made and I want to be able to live off of it. I think I'm, like, I only want half of that. Might be okay for you. But all, but looking at this Hollywood Reporter article, uh, Joe Casey, uh, to quote, Casey has not received payment for America Chavez outside of the page rates he got when working for Marvel as a writer when he and artist Nick Jurgata introduced the character in 2011. Yeah, but I mean, it's it again. It's like that's why comic book writers write so much. Like, they sign these crappy deals. Now, if you want to get literary agents support, get better literary agents well, out for them. Well, you argue that with comic books, not, really do not sell as comic books the way they used to. No. And that you're not going to make a huge amount of money. But if you're doing these adaptations for other media that can be incredibly profitable, it's fair to state that the people counting the beans should be willing to divvy up those beans. Uh, there's, yes, that's, but that's just nat- natural to begin with. Again, it's like, and I, and, no, I, I can stand with you on, like, no, I don't want my character being there when I know they can make this much money. I can stand behind that idea, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, if Marvel owns it, if you sold it to Marvel, that's Marvel's thing. I mean, that's, that's... I mean, it goes back to South Park at the uh, South Park Film Festival when um, Stan explains to Cartman why he's a sellout. This is after, like, no, this is all you get because of the merchandising. And, like, like, Cartman, you're a sellout. If you try to make money in Hollywood, you're a sellout. So. I'll just have to agree to disagree. I'm... With those who think oh, there should I, there's, be more effort made to compensate artists and writers. Look, well, and I, I agree that there should be, but I'm just saying, like, I understand the rules how they are, so don't, you know, if anything, as an author, especially in a um, crowdsourced society now, you can go and find your way around that by, like, you know writing a graphic novel of your own which people will buy on its own and then it won't get made okay all right then it won't get made into a movie because nobody's gonna buy buy the right <laughs> buy the rights to it oh i mean like our poor little buggers who got screwed by netflix yeah and and hulu and and um yeah nickelodeon I and mean... warner brothers I mean, Bone has been canceled by Netflix, and again, this was the third time they were trying to get that made, and mm-hmm. that was probably the best opportunity to do an adaptation that would please the fans. I, I, I read the first volume of Bone. It 
It's not my thing, but it is a pretty long work, fairly long work, so a series would have been a more appropriate way to handle it. Mm. But, but we also had uh, Disney suddenly shutting down Blue Sky Studios while they were trying to finish up the Nimona adaptation. That one is still going to be finished over at Netflix mm. because they were pretty close, the creatives were pretty close to wrapping it up anyway when it was suddenly canceled. Mm. But that's a rare success story and it was almost a skin of their teeth then. Uh, I would say that with Blue, Blue Sky Studios, sorry to sound cold, after rewatching um, Ice Age, just as like background imagery as I was working on a podcast. Yeah. Um, and realizing that this is just land before time without the death. Um, it's kind of, but I look at the effects, like, you know, the characters who created well, but they were pretty lazy with the backgrounds. It gave me food fight vibes. I don't need that. So if, if, if I have to, if I have to cut off Blue Sky Studios to avoid those flashbacks, man... Got a lot further ahead later on. Oh, I'm not questioning that. I mean, they did some beautiful stuff in Horton Hears a Who, and especially the Peanuts movie. Yeah, I'll give you the Peanuts movie. But doesn't Apple, isn't Apple kind of going to be behind that? Yeah, Apple now handles Peanuts material, but there were plans for Blue Sky to do a movie sequel to the Peanuts movie. And, you know, that's. Well, that was going to get shot down just because Disney owns Blue Sky. Uh, Possibly, I don't know. Well, I'm just saying that. Every, you, you can't trust anybody who has a plus except Paramount because they don't have enough money to fund their plus yet. As you, as we all know about um, Yellowstone's first three seasons being on Peacock still. And what other stuff is uh, Paramount? Like, oh, and anything, anything old Star Trek? Which, gosh... Again, we further hate the Gen Z and millennials, don't we? How can you get away with? Oh, if you like the if you like Star Trek, you're gonna like Star Trek. No. The thing about racism, I was very like I didn't really take the time to realize that Sulu drove the ship. They let the Asian guy drive. But, um, I don't know, I'm just, uh, primarily just going to do a little bit about my experience at Ghost World, and so we don't have to go long at all, but, um, so, to keep the mood light, no context songs. So, I don't follow, I got double the followers as Rory, but I don't follow Twitter like she does. She has fun with Twitter. I admire that of her. Well, the current uh, trending kerfluffle on tw- Twitter for those unaware this weekend, there. If if you for those who are not paying attention to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard wars currently going on on Twitter, which are very sad, mm-hmm. but there had apparently been some complaints over on TikTok. Involving taking the Steve Martin number King Tut and 
in particular performance he did of it on Saturday Night Live, out of context and not really understanding or being offended by that goofy little number. Yeah, it doesn't sound like offense is what's taken. It's just like, gosh, what a bunch of grandpas. And there, there's been some joking. Uh, what, what other songs or comedy acts are going to be taken out of context next, yeah. or misunderstood by the TikTok generation? Profile here because you know I like to cite my sources, mm. but Andrew Otis Weiss or at that Weiss guy started a thread of other songs that should need a they're going to get context-free hot takes. <laughs> Although, I like Alexandra Daddario's comment. Y'all yeah, think TikTok is hilarious, but don't get King Tut. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. See, the only TikTok I really... Like, I had TikTok downloaded, but that was more or less just to piss off Donald Trump. Um, I will say, uh, former guest of the show, Andrew TD. Um, I believe it's at the Class Squatch. <laughs> Has some good stuff on his uh, on his feed, uh-huh. um, but yeah. Otherwise, people lazy people just throw it on the Snapchat anyhow, and that's where I get it. Look, I'm looking for the girls who are making me consider getting in getting into these massage industry, not stupid videos I wouldn't watch. So. Yeah, I mean, the best thing I could have to offer tweet-wise was to tell me to not, don't you eat the yellow snow is taking away my freedoms. My con- my contribution to the thread was the cow goes moo, but is that really the way it goes? <laughs> yeah. And that just brings me back to the guy playing a sp- Robot chicken sketch, a guy doing the spin. The cow says, moo. Your mom goes, because I got my dick in her mouth. Ross, we're going to have to talk in the future about content warnings on this show. Hey, look. I am censoring my F-bomb from the sick boy conversation. I think, but no, I do appreciate you bringing that up because I think everything needs a context warning. Yeah. I think that's just how we should live. Political correctness is not a problem. It's people who think political correctness is a problem just because they're too lazy to say, okay. But that brings me back to uh, watching Peacemaker last night. Look, Chris, if you're going to be sarcastic, you need to give us a warning. Like this. I'm not worried about John's extra weight at all. I'm being sarcastic. (laughs) I don't care if he dies young. (laughs) So. Are we still excited for Love and Thunder? Or are you really putting your chips down on Goldblum? I'm putting my chips down on Goldblum. It's Taika. This is a deal breaker for me. It, it, it's Taika Waititi. I don't have that. I've not 
familiar enough with his back catalog to care that much. I know I should be catching up on some of it. Yeah, I do need to if get only which what the film of what we do in the shadows. Yes, but I don't. It, the... it is on my Apple account, so boot up the fire stick. <laughs> um, and no, I I do need to watch. Um, like I'm surprised you haven't gotten into. Um, our what is the pirate show? Um, our flag means death. De- death. I mean, it's got um, gosh, that one Kiwi comic. Um, he used to be on um, at midnight a, a lot. Rory or something. Doing great job selling me on it. Oh, come Darcy, uh, Darby, something. Ah. Like he he would he would paint he would. You gotta give me credit. At, at midnight was five years ago now, which is sad. Um, so our friend Reese Darby. There you go. You don't recall Reese Darby? I recall him, but oh. it's not gonna be something that's gonna drive me to watch another show. I've got a lot of movies to catch up on. Yeah, you might get to the 21st century at some point. Fun up. Yeah, I'm recording on the device that doesn't have the rim shot. <laughs> but, um, no, um, as for Ebert Fest, I mean, if only I could have taken the three days off, the four days, well, the three days off to truly get into it, I could tell you a little more. I know that... I don't know if they're going to let... Thora Birch actually keep her golden thumb they presented her? Like. Because after the person asked the question about how brilliant was the scene of Enid's dad making a jelly, making and eating a jelly sandwich. <laughs> being c- declared the greatest question Terry Swigoff has ever received. Get, look, I usually give a prize out. Give me your email address. Give him the thumb. No, that's mine. Dumb. But yeah, it's so. Otherwise, that night ended up with just getting drunk with some English guy trying not to mimic his accent while still dropping my, eccentric, my eccentricity of using a lot of British terms. <laughs> Bollocks. Measuring cats and stones. So, so, otherwise, um, any other thoughts on cinema at this time? Not right now. Any film suggestions? Mm-hmm. I don't think I've got anything that's both short enough and I like. Well, yes, but I, I, I think, and I hate to give both, Pete Davidson. Both of those two things. I hate to give Pete Davidson all the credit in the world, but after the short ass movie song. I think I think the um, the movements the movement is strong, so we can, you know, we're we're not talk. I'm not saying give us Amadeus two, <laughs> which is still fun to see Ali freak out when. Why does this VHS <laughs> box look like a book? <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Hundred the Chill just just does not have the same chime to it, I think. No, it, it doesn't. Yeah. So, 
And you can't do, like, I don't know, now I'm thinking about how the name came up, which is basically, we can't do 90 and chill because that would probably be a non-Italian <laughs> sex thing. Um, so I stuck on four, and then it's kind of like, well, now it's kind of like 94. Now it's like, am I placating to 94-year-old sex things? And you can't go 92, because then again. <sighs> the point is, rate, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast, five-star reviews, preferably. If you want to talk trash, go to cat at CatBusRuss. It'd be nice to get treated like crap over movies instead of, uh, you know, just telling gun nuts where to shove their guns. Basically where David Bowie would shove a gun. Rory does not appreciate the man who fell to earth joke. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you thought it was funny when it happened. <laughs> or at least you tried, you, you were joking about it when you're describing that. But if you want to keep up to date on the smartest mind in uh, cinema in central Illinois, the Letterboxd account is The Poetic Critic. That's The Poetic Critic, all one word, no underscores, what have you. And thanks again for coming to the show. No problem. And uh, thanks, Stacia Harden, for keeping me rolling. If anything, you should be using your otherworldly powers to make this a success, because this is your legacy. <laughs> so... Until next week. Can I hear a wahoo?